Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. And they can also be found on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my free Caregiver Distress Recovery Challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter, and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness strategies that will surely help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver for those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. It will be available once again in the near future on a new platform. My latest book, Think Big was released May 17th on Amazon. It became a number one Amazon bestseller in 25 categories. It features my story and my big vision about how to shift our ideas about aging and older adults and the value they have in our lives and in society. I'm honored to be included in this book alongside the iconic and legendary Brian Tracy, entrepreneur Bob Bodine, and many others. The book is published by Kyle Wilson, president of Jim Rohn International. So I hope you'll grab a copy on Amazon. The many stories included in the book can inspire and motivate you in your business and positively impact your own personal development and growth. My book, Dignity and Respect, Are Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, is available on both Amazon and is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes and assisted living residences across the country. I'm honored that Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book, so I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. Senior Straight Talk is very proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners 
informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, who was a guest on Senior Straight Talk back in February of this year. At that time, he was speaking about adding value to life at any age, a helpful reminder to anyone, and especially to older adults, so that they continue to grow and prosper. However, today he is here to share his experiences with his mother, who's in a nursing home. It's a valuable and passionate story with which I'm certain many of you will relate and based on similar experiences. For others, it can be considered a word of caution about the importance of doing due diligence when making care choices for a loved one. So I'd like to introduce Robert Peterson, who is the host of the Add to Value Entrepreneurs podcast and co-founder of Add Value to Life Coaching. He helps entrepreneurs shift their mindset so they can reach their dreams. He started out in Christian ministry, in Christian ministry as a church planter, pastor, and mentor. And he began his own entrepreneurial journey after 20 years in the ministry and aimed to help individuals use the tools he gathered. He's trained in conflict coaching, relationship coaching, speaking, and training. And he uses his vast toolbox to coach business owners as they struggle to aim and grow their business to the next level. So I'm proud to introduce to you today, Robert Peterson. Robert, I'm so glad you could be here with me again today on Senior Straight Talk. I mean, I had you on a couple of months ago, I think it was, but today we're going to talk about something a little different. And it came about uh, from a conversation that we had, uh, I believe, and um, it was based on some articles I had written and um, about my experience in nursing homes. And you said to me, well, I'll have to tell you about the experience I had with nursing homes someday. And when you told me, I said, would you be willing to share that on Senior Straight Talk? And you said, absolutely. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So you want to start and share a little bit of the story and then uh, we'll go into it from there. Yeah. Or, and I, I don't know how, I don't even know how they distinguish, right? Nursing homes, memory care facilities, um, you know, a senior assisted living, I think obviously are all similar categories and, and I don't know if they're all lumped together in, you know, in the world of, of healthcare, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if they're under the world of healthcare. I think they're, you know, rated by the hotel association. And so <laughs> I, it's, it's kind of unbelievable to me now that um, basically anything from mom and pop to corporations to whatever are popping up memory care, you know, assisted living centers. And, and I think huh, I'm going to eat my words because I not, a government regulation guy at all and yet i feel like there is just absolutely no oversight in in these facilities and and more heartbreaking is that there's very little family oversight for dumping our parents and grandparents into these facilities and nobody's even checking to see what's going on and whether or not they're being taken care of or or watched over or yeah, so huh. just heartbroken. 
I'm going to interject at that point um, for listeners, some of whom may know, some of who may not know, but I will, I do want to correct the record to a certain degree. So uh, a lot of nursing homes have memory care units. They don't call them units anymore. They call them neighborhoods, but that's kind of an oxymoron. It's just, uh, they changed the word for a lot of them. It's supposed to be a community in a neighborhood, but that, that doesn't mean it is just because you change the name doesn't mean that it reflects that. That's number one. Assisted living residences or facilities, uh, a lot of them also have memory care areas. Um, they've kind of, they've delved into that space. So they, so you could be in an assisted living and be in a memory care. And then you could also be in a nursing home and on a wing that's dedicated to memory care. And then there are independent memory care facilities. As far as the oversight goes, I think you make an excellent point. There is oversight. There's a Department of Health in every state and every nursing home is required to have a visit by the Department of Health between, I think it's nine and 15 months supposed to be annual, but you know, generally it's between like nine or 10 and 15 months, usually 12 to 15 months. But unfortunately, the oversight agencies have failed the nursing home residents and their families tremendously. Like for instance, Kirkland, where this whole COVID outbreak started was a five-star building. So there's a star rating system the, the Department of Health surveys, the oversight that they have once a year kind of goes into the star rating, but it's really not reliable for a variety of reasons, but that part we won't go into. But the story for about what you experience with your mom is really what I want listeners to hear, because I'm sure there are many people who will be able to relate to this story. Yeah, so... My mom's been in, in facilities since 2018. Um, I'll take that back. I think 2019, first year. So we, a year before, before COVID. Um, and in her first facility, they struggled. She had anger issues. So she didn't like somebody changing her clothes and she didn't like somebody... Um, touching her but she also was her communication isn't understandable because her language doesn't make any sense any longer and so so this facility would call the ambulance and have my mom taken to the emergency room for hitting a staff member and of course the emergency room does not have a prepared plan for aggression there's not a there's not a scope of care for somebody who's angry and also not communicative. Um, and so the hospital receives her. They say, "Well, we checked her vital signs. We checked her heart, and and she doesn't have any You're broken so bones. So <laughs> there's nothing we can do for her. We send her back. And so now our family gets billed for an ambulance run, an emergency room visit." And, and, and then, of course, nothing has changed at the facility. 
um, except their poor little staff member who my hundred pound soaking wet mom assaulted, you know, is, is sad. I don't know. Um, so one of the challenges is, as we understand, and, and all, this Alzheimer's dementia is completely new to us. You know, we had no idea, uneducated, unprepared, un, unawares until we're in the middle of it. And, you know, now looking back, we recognize mom had some symptoms prior to 2015, prior to her diagnosis. We recognized the, you know, the, the anger issues and things, you know, mom and dad were committed to staying in their home until they died. And, and dad still to this day is dealing with guilt from not being able to honor that. And, and, and my sister and I, you know, come alongside him and said, there's you, 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 you can't do it. You're not prepared to do this. You're, you know, my, my dad doesn't know how to cook. My dad doesn't know how to, how to care for, you know, somebody that needs diapers changed and somebody that needs, you know, full-time supervision. And, and then the, the strange thing is hiring somebody from outside took care of mom, but, but inside mom's home, she did not like it. She didn't like having somebody else in her house. She didn't like having somebody else taking care of her and doing stuff for her. And, and she expressed that. Um, she's not an angry woman. She's not a violent woman. And so, but she could tell she was uncomfortable moving her into a facility. When we finally made that decision, it seemed like, oh, this might get worse instead of better. But the truth is it got better. She, she actually didn't, because it wasn't her home, she didn't, wasn't bothered by as much of those things as, as she was at home. Um, and so for the most part, it worked really well, except for her occasional reactions to staff members handling her. And, and it wasn't every staff member. It's, you know, it happened, you know, twice in a 12 month period. And, you know, both times it's very frustrating for our father that, Hey, why on earth do I have to run to the emergency room to pick my wife up and take her back to the facility and get billed for an ambulance, get billed for an emergency room visit, get billed for all of these things that, they are not prepared to handle and the the current management or house leader or whatever you want to call it says well that's our policy well it shouldn't be because this is a memory care issue this anger and aggression is very typical it's it's a very normal thing and so that was the first the first frustrations um in february of 2020 we found another facility and we made a deposit. And then, of course, March before the room had opened, you know, March of 2020 came along and we're in the middle of COVID. They're all okay. locked down. We can't move mom. But they were able to move mom within their corporate structure from one facility that supposedly the staff was trained and prepared to another facility. Exactly the same. Looks exactly the same. Same kind of house. Ten beds. Um, and, and they, their staff is supposedly better prepared to handle memory issues <laughs> and Alzheimer's issues. And part of it was, I think mom's progression also was, was moving further along. And so she was less and less reactive. Mm. And so, so she didn't, um, she, she handled that move pretty well. And so it seemed like in COVID we, we, we believed, all right, she's, she's doing okay. 
Well, um, in the midst of all of that, she, she, my mom walked. My mom doesn't sit and watch television like the majority of the residents in these homes, um, at least the ones I've experienced. Um, she, I don't think she can understand television. And so she doesn't sit there. She walked around. And so she walks around the dining room table. She walks around the living room. She walks around and just constantly walks. My mom's two things to do right now are to eat food and walk. And you put food in front of her, she'll eat it. You put toys in front of her, she'll eat them. You put rocks in front of her, she'll eat them. She just eats everything. And so, but she loves to eat. She enjoys it. She eats everything on her plate. Just to interject something. So that's, if you think about regression and that Alzheimer's or dementia is a regression back to backwards. So if you think about where children start from, where do they start from? They start from putting things in their mouth. Absolutely. And so yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. So, you know, I'll ask you a little later on um, because I want to hear the rest of your story and I want the listeners to as well. But when when people or, or um, memory care homes or, uni, you know, facilities, whether it's assisted living or a nursing home, say that the staff is trained, I don't think, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that family just takes that at face value. They don't ask what kind of training that is. Exactly. Right. You say, oh, they're trained? Great. You assume, people would assume, it's like if you go to a doctor and they're trained in internal medicine, you don't ask them what their training was. You just assume that they have the appropriate training to treat that condition. Exactly. Right. And 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 so now, now we get to a point where, where we're in the situation Mom has a, a physician that visits the facility. We changed her insurance so that an outside, you know, physician that normally, or really a medical group, because obviously the doctor's not going door to door. It's actually uh, a, a nurse regist- practitioner, nurse or a practitioner yes. assistant, right? Yep, nurse practitioner, um, and and the nurse practitioner. So we're keeping pretty good tabs. My sister is very vigilant. My sister knows the staff members. My sister lives in another state. And so she gets staff members phone numbers so she can do video chats with, with my mom and, and cool and, and weekly check in and, and paying attention. And of course, so my sister's aware of the turnover because then she calls and she says, Oh no, I left there. And right. so high turnover, I recognize the high turnover industry, high turnover time in, in our world. Um, and, and employment issues are definitely, you know, playing a, a big piece in, in all of this. Which we're also- obviously for a person with um, cognitive issues and communication issues, consistency is very important. Absolutely. So that adds to the frustration, the confusion, the anger, this which, adds to it. Which also led to us saying, okay, Things seem to be okay. My sister's advocating for the facility because mom's doing pretty well, and and we don't want to we don't want to upset the apple cart by moving her to another facility and starting all over. Correct. So so we continue. Um, in the middle of COVID, mom has a fall. She hits her head on the table. She starts bleeding. Obviously, that's an emergency room trip. Um, she she was bleeding pretty well. Emergency room, I meet her at the emergency room. And, and of course, because of her cognitive issues, she doesn't want to stay in the bed 
she doesn't understand what's going on. Um, so it, you need somebody there. They don't, the emergency room doesn't have a nurse to keep her in the bed, to keep her in a room, okay. to stay, you know, it's like, oh no, you need to lay down. Oh, you need to stay here. Oh, this is, we're, we're not going anywhere right now. Right. And, and, right. and being able to stay with her. Well, so that trip, she was fine. It was, it, she, she'd hit her forehead, which if you're familiar at all with the anatomy of the human body, the forehead bleeds like, okay, right. it, 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 it looks terrible but but it, it really isn't such a bad thing and and so she had no no major injuries no issues um the stupid thing they did the quick covid test she tested positive she just had the second booster and so they kicked me out said i can't stay there because she tested positive i literally got back home to my house and they call and says well we've done everything we can you need to pick her up <laughs> like i was just what? there what? And so, so that, that obviously just adds to the frustration and, and challenges all, you know, all around this. Um, and, and, and obviously a fall isn't, you know, the staff, we didn't expect the staff to be supervising mom every single minute and having every, you know, every contingency taken care of, but it was one more trip to the emergency room that was just added on to the previous trips to the emergency room that weren't necessary. Right. Um, then in July of 21, August, July, August of 21, I think it was July, it's middle of summer. Uh, one of the staff members leaves the groceries on the table to go help their, their QMAP and, and mom eats a dishwasher pod and has to go to the emergency room. Obviously three days stay in the hospital First night, the doctor's convinced she's got a 50-50 chance, touch and go. Um, but mom miraculously recovered faster than teenagers recover from this chemical pneumonia. Wow. And, and mom was fine. No side effects, no symptoms long term. God bless her. Yeah. And 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 bit, was able to return to the home. But obviously, this was a huge sign of neglect, a huge sign of wow. of not fully understanding the situation. So this is where we start to figure out, you know, well, house managers don't have a lot of training. Um, the house is using basically temporary employees that have little or no training, not even QMAPs. And so our nurse practitioner is representing my mom. So she visits from the medical office people and right. so she visits her, her, my mom, and maybe one other patient there that that she that they're responsible for. And on just a couple occasions, we get a call saying, "Oh, it's just really confusing." There, we're concerned the staff member couldn't open the medicine cabinet because they're not a QMAP, and so we can't tell whether or not she's had her medicines. And 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 so this has happened a couple of times. The other frustration, they use it, they use an online pharmacy. The pharmacy relationship is set up through the home. Obviously, they're kicking back to each other because they, they use a specific pharmacy. I understand the, the pharmacy piece a little bit because their people are so untrained that they're using medicine on a 
on a card. And so the medicine is, is already pre-sorted on a card. It's Monday through Sunday, you know, morning and night. So you got a morning card, an evening card. So it's a no brainer. So it's also for accountability purposes to know how much medication is used for which person in all fairness, right? It's it's, It's a system to, to account for it, right? It's a system to make it easier. Correct. And, and to make it, more convenient well, for the staff. Both correct. of those and things are important. Foolproof. It's also more expensive because obviously they're putting the medicine, they're prepackaging the medicine in a Monday through Sunday, just, you know, morning and evening card. And, but it, it's absolutely necessary. So don't get me wrong, but the home made the decision to change pharmacies. So they've recontracted with a new pharmacy. And in the midst of the, tr- in the midst of the transition, they did not communicate very well with my father uh, on two or three, uh, two, it's probably a dozen, two, a couple of different occasions. We get a phone call on a Saturday night. Your mom's out of medicine. Saturday night, there's nothing we can do. Pharmacies aren't open on Sunday. So for two months, I went and picked up her meds at the local grocery store and, and paid cash which is even more ridiculous because I can pay less cash for her medicines at the grocery store using a good RX card than through her Medicare, Medicaid card. You know, and which is a, a whole, is an entirely. It's a, a, that's a whole new that's podcast, whole not just episode. That's a whole new podcast. <laughs> right, yes, right, right. Absolutely. It, it's the most ridiculous. The cash price for, for pharmaceuticals is based on something completely ludicrous to force insurance companies to pay exorbitant fees bottom line (laughs) but it's ridiculous why a company like GoodRx can exist and and pay less money than the biggest insurance company in the world health-wise right (laughs) controlled by the government but i can't disagree with you so anyway bottom line two different occasions at least she's run out of medicine they're transitioning pharmacies poor communication my dad didn't understand that he needed to sign some paperwork and there was no follow-up to make sure, oh, hey, we still don't have this paperwork. We're not going to be able to get your medicine. And and so, you know, of course, at this point, dad's frustrated with we've got a health care provider her you know, a primary care physician and they send a bill and then we've got the nursing home. Of course, they send a bill and and they're not included And the pharmacy. Oh, they send a bill and and it's not included. And so there's just all these extra pieces that that dad just didn't understand right we these are extra things and of course ambulance bill and er bill on top of all the regular bills and so there's a lot of frustration because we're cash pay and and medicaid's not involved medicare is not involved in my mom's case because they don't qualify right um, which is a whole nother you know and of course, my parents didn't get long-term care insurance when they were in their 20s. I mean, right. let's, let's be real. Right, um, right. I don't even right. know if long care term, you know, care insurance was a thing when they were in their 20s. Right. But, um, but a lot of people didn't get it. They didn't foresee that. But we're going to take a short break on um, Senior Straight Talk sponsored by Phyllis Amon Associates. And we'll come back so we can continue this conversation because the story is incredible. And I'm sure there are many listeners out there with similar stories who can relate to this. So we'll be right back with Robert Peterson on Senior Straight Talk. We'll go from there.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Phyllis Amon Associates. I'm here with Robert Peterson, who's sharing his story about his experience with his mom, who had some cognitive loss and was in an assisted living uh, it was an assisted living facility, correct? Yeah. Um, so before we go on, I wanted to um, just uh, tell a story of my own. Of It's a, a, a resident that was in a nursing home. And I have a question for you based on it, based on something you said about what your how your mom was responding to some of the situations she was in. So this was a person, I've spoken about this before. I think I wrote about this in, in my previous book. Um, this was a gentleman who was living at home with his daughter. Uh, he, they were non-native English speakers, uh, mm. Spanish speaking primarily. They, he moved into this nursing home. He was there a couple of days and um, he, didn't, he didn't speak any English. And um, I could foresee how this happened. I knew the staff, I was working there at the time and I knew the staff members that worked there and they were also from a different culture and actually a different continent. So this woman went in, I'm sure, this particular morning and probably pulled the covers back, told him it's time for breakfast. She had an also a kind of, I'd say a rougher approach and um, had an accent and um, he, he didn't speak English anyway. And here was this person of another color, another background who pulled his covers off Obviously, it was the morning time for breakfast, but he had no idea. So he lashed out at her physically. She went and told the nurse manager who called the police and they took him out of the building. He returned a few hours later and they prescribed an antipsychotic medication, which is not what they're supposed to do. And um, like within a day or two, the man couldn't lift his fork. I mean, he could barely get out any words. He, he was blithering. I mean, he was is clearly drugged. And that's not uncommon for them to use antipsychotic drugs in that situation. So you hadn't, you said your mother was on different medications. I wondered if you ever had any experience similar to that. Yeah. So, so working with her uh, nurse practitioner and healthcare, you know, we tried really antidepressants. And so more, you know, just um, to find something that would would make her help her be more calm and and well that's what they do right Right. 
<laughs> and so obviously if you've messed it all with antidepressants and antipsychotics, it's there. It, it requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of communication on how they make you feel on how they, they make you react. And, and I think the challenge with somebody who's no longer able to communicate is how do you figure out <laughs> if this is working in the intended way or what are the unintended consequences? Correct. Um, and so it's a, it's a, I think it's a pretty challenging situation to be using that, those types of medications. Um, and yet I also understand, you know, you don't want patients lashing out and, and, and having anger issues. And yet this, this part of this whole process, the frustration for us is, is my mom is literally a hundred pounds. She is a frail old woman who has never hurt anybody in her entire life, including, you know, when I was a kid throwing knives at my dad, they never landed. Like <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's no violence or anger, you know, within her. And, and there's, so there's two parts, right. Recognizing that her lashing out was based on confusion correct, and, and frustration. And, and then of course the, the other part recognizing this wasn't her normal her modus Correct. operandi. And so those two things for me communicate that the staff is either they're not prepared or or not handling the situation. Correct. Right. And they a lot of uh, that's why I asked you about training because people who are really need to be trained at a certain level in order to understand and work with and communicate with people who have this level of cognitive impairment so they can understand that and address those issues because these are not dementia behaviors. It's, it's a person who's responding or reacting to a situation based on where they are cognitively. Yeah. And, right. and, and, and there are very, they are very low standards to be, to be employed. At Correct. One, one uh, in a lot facilities. of cases, that is true. Q, a QMAP, is supposed to be the minimum. I think um, they have some CNAs. I think, but but the truth is that these some of these people were working at McDonald's yesterday, and now they're taking care of <laughs> of your loved ones. Um, and 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 I think the 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 training is inadequate. The the pay scales are inadequate Correct. for for what these people are being asked to do. Absolutely. And, 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 and the challenge is it's a very expensive undertaking, right? Obviously to provide 24 hour care for a human being that can't take care of themselves any longer is not a cheap undertaking, right? Correct. And, and yet we, we we're putting in, creating these situations, trying to keep it economical at the, at the expense of our loved ones. You know, it's interesting. I saw a uh, somebody posted something on Twitter uh, within the past week or so that there are people in prisons who get better care, better medical care, better food, um, better opportunities in some ways in, in terms of recreation, in terms of outdoor exposure to the outdoors uh, than people in nursing homes. And I it gave me pause for thought because mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily an untrue statement. Yeah, the, the challenge is that most prisoners can walk themselves to their meal and they, correct, can, they, correct. Can, 
they could take a shower by themselves and and they can they can entertain themselves and be self-motivated whereas many of the folks in in a nursing home require somebody's assistance to do that and then you put a home with 12 people and have one staff member trying to to bus around 12 people without other support or supervision correct <laughs> it's pretty un you know, it's, it's just, it's not a recipe. That's not a recipe for success. Let's exactly. That way. Or, or happy staff members or, Correct. And, and of course that leads to more turnover, which creates more of this inconsistency, which creates more trouble for the people that need consistency in, in the little bit of life that they have. Right. So finish. So now I want you to continue the story because it's a very interesting part of the story, which is really what prompted me when you told me to to really have you come on and tell this story. So because of the dishwasher pod side effect incident, um, the recognition that mom was at a certain state in her dementia, Alzheimer's process, um, she was approved for hospice. Hospice is at least in the state of Colorado, hospice is an outside organization. Right. Um, and, and mom has um, a CNA, a, a nurse, a chaplain, and a social worker now that all are part of her team, paid for by the hospice, part of the hospice, completely separate from the nursing home. They do not have any connection or relationship to the nursing home other than they come there <laughs> to take right. care of mom. Right. And they're only going there to take care of mom in this case. Other times there could be one or two other patients, but in this particular situation, mom was their only patient in this facility. And so our CNA, I say ours because she's representing mom. She works for mom and she shows up on a Wednesday and none of the, 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 the Q map there is a temp from a temp agency and none of the residents have been changed or woken up or taken care of. Um, and so the CNA that's there to shower my mom, you know, changes my mom, showers my mom, but she also takes care of the other residents on this day. And at that point, my sister and, and I are, are actively looking for another facility. We're actively looking because the staff turnover in this one is getting clear. They're using an outside agency again. My mom was actually moved from another. To, this is her third house within this company because the second house, they they in the middle of this COVID situation, about a year in, the second house again had staffing issues and literally was using the state national guard as you know, CNAs for a period oh, wow. of time. And so their solution was, oh, we found another bed at our other facility. It's a newer facility. It's got a better staff. Everybody's happier, blah, blah, blah. And 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 eight months later, all of a sudden, this facility is starting to show some of the same signs that have happened at the previous one. And so now my sister, Wednesday's actively looking, trying to take care of this before my dad has to find out. Friday morning, so that was Wednesday, Friday morning, the CNA goes in and there's no staff member. The alarm door alarm is going off because there's a, the doors are alarmed, which means when the staff member left, the door had been left open 
and that alarm goes off until somebody resets it. And so their assessment was that the, the residents were alone for probably four hours. Uh, this was Unthinkable. 9 a.m. And so they don't know how early the staff member left. Um, the door alarm is going off. So the, all, the whole entire building has got this beep going off, constant you know, warning. And, and the residents haven't been fed breakfast. They haven't been given their morning meds. And of course, they haven't been changed or, or cleaned or taken care of at all. And so once again, our CNA, who is only being paid to take care of my mom, changes the diapers and, and everything else for the four residents that are there. Which, which is testimony to the fact of how many people are drawn to this because they really want to care for others. Absolutely. And given the opportunity to care for others in a healthy way, they're more than willing to do Correct. work and, and love people. And then there's other people that are obviously working there without that passion. And it's simply a job. And, and, and we've seen the difference not, and, and it, and it impacts the company wide. Right. And so because of our um, hospice nurse who now was the first person the CNA called and said, there's nobody here. Our hospice nurse calls the company and says, I'm calling 911. There's no staff here. Who's going to get here first, the police or, or your executives? <laughs> and, and so they get a house manager from some other house that, that shows up there, but basically, you know, they're being reported to the state because this is obviously total right. neglect. Correct. But our, our hospice nurse says, I am not leaving this facility without taking Mary with me. And so, so we found another company. Turns out it's the same company my dad and I had found in February of 2020. Different house, oh. same company, locally owned, not corporate. Um, he owns 16 facilities. The three staff members that we met with that day have all been there more than seven years each. And, right. and not a cumulative, right? Not right. like our entire staff has 10 years experience, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause we've combined all of them. Um, and so same exact model, same exact model using the same exact, you know, qualifications and people. But, you know, when we get to the house where they took mom, it took us all day long. It was, you know, obviously just chaotic and crazy. And, uh, they have four people working, two people cooking, two other people working in the house. So there's four staff members there with, you know, 16 beds and, and well-kept and, and just, just completely different attitudes. So I go back in on Saturday to take some furniture and some other things. Cause mom had a completely empty room to start with again. And, and the lady that met us at the door says, you know, I just decided they, they marked those bags as clean, but if they didn't take care of the people, they probably weren't taking care of her laundry. So we're just going to wash all our laundry. I'm like, see, that, that, that tells me that they care Correct. about people rather than just this. And I, I don't know how do you differentiate between a company that is just in this for the money because it's a great financial opportunity. Baby boomers are aging out and, and needing these facilities. And so let's just, pop them up all over the place and do the minimum right. right? so that we can cash in on this cash cow or the people that are creating these facilities and obviously still want to make money because they're in business. I recognize that. I honor that. And yet 
can hire employees and take care of them and have people that care about people getting paid to get care about people. And, and I don't know how you can tell the difference when you're coming in from the outside. So it's interesting that you say that. I'm just going to interject because, you know, that is my, one of my driving passions is to inform people and to give them the, arm them with the information they need to ask the questions to maybe help them find an understanding or be able to ferret out which, which place would be more aligned with care than another. So I'll just want to tell you quickly, I had a uh, friend that I, I met, um, I only met him last September, um, but we've had many conversations. And um, when I first met him, I told him what I did. And uh, that was interesting. Um, you know, what I did professionally as a speech and language pathologist, he had somebody in his family that was in a, in a nursing home because of an accident. And people think it's just older people. It's not mm-hmm. just older people. And um, then very recently, he contacted me to tell me that his mother um, had a, a heart attack. She was in the hospital. And uh, he told me the, her state of what where she was at in the hospital. And even in the hospital, I mean, he told me things that were just insane. He's in another part of the country. And um, so then, of course, within a couple of days, I told him they were going to say they were going to move her to a nursing home for rehab. Uh, he didn't quite get that. And then, of course, they told him that. And they gave them a list of 25 places. Like, first of all, you're in this almost a crisis situation. What are you going to do with a list of 25 places? Some places give you less. But anyway, I spent about two hours on the phone with him. And he told me they did find a place. And he was very appreciative because he wouldn't have known to ask some of those questions. He wouldn't have thought about it. Um, And when he told me some of the answers that he got when he did look into a few places, which weren't aligned with what you would consider to be the best care, that's how you would determine if you were moving to a place where at least you have a better shot at quality care. And, And that's the challenge is for families, this is all new. They're, they're running into a situation and right now there's no bed space there. There, these facilities, at least here in, in our city are stuffed full and there's waiting lists for a bed. And so, so that, that creates a sense of urgency. It creates a, Oh, there's a bed here. Let's just take it because, because we, we have not, we have no other option. And Correct. so we don't even ask the questions. We don't. And of course, in the beginning, we don't even know what questions to ask. We just. Correct. And so we've learned, we've learned about staffing, and we've learned about hospice, and we've learned about, uh, you know, what what should be the minimum basic requirements. But but there definitely was, I mean, even the organization um, Home for Mom, which is basically a referral source, doesn't doesn't educate you or, or help you in any way. They are literally a online marketing firm. That's an intermediary and says, Hey, we got a bed here, here, and here. And we get paid if you take one of those. So <laughs> let me encourage you to take one of those. And, well, you know, and, there's an, and just, they just badger you. They badger you mm-hmm. like a, like a telemarketer in a bathtub trying to cold call. <laughs> and, and I, you know, it's like, if you, go online and sign up for Medicaid, 
you're going to get 2,050 right, right. per day. Uh, this was very similar. And so uh, even a referral agency that you think is saying, oh, we want to take care of your loved one. We want you to have the very best. They don't care. They just want to get you into a bed where they get a piece of the you know, initial deposit. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because through the years, uh, several people in recent years, when I've been working with families on strategic planning and guiding them to make the best care decisions they can from an informed point of view, people have said to me, oh, why don't you work with particular companies? I said, no, that's, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't recommend any place or not recommend any place. I'm working with the family to help guide them to make the best decisions. Sometimes somebody could go to a place that I might not think is a great place and they can wind up maybe with a wonderful team and get, have a great experience. Listen, I was just in a place, it's, it's funny and it's not funny. Um, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't move anybody I knew into that place. Um, and the, there, there were terrible, terrible issues with the food for months and months. I can't even, they're so horrendous. I can't even begin to describe them. But there was one guy in the building who thought it was the best food he ever ate. I said, listen, I think you should be a postal person for this company because nobody else here thinks so. And there are almost 200 people here. So, or two, more than 200. Well, so, and the truth is we had, we had periods where we had really, really good staff members, one or two particular staff members that loved my mom and took really good care of my mom and, and, and just knew her quirks. Right. And, and, and that led to the consistency and, and, and I don't know, you know, why they left. That's none of my business, but obviously something happened and, and they chose to move on and they chose to, and, and one of them, one of them was coming back. One of them, my sister had literally roped her into coming back to take care of mom, to be in this facility. And, and it, it was that same week and she opted out because she saw something or heard something or found out something that, that we obviously didn't know or see and said, I don't think I'm going to get involved in that. Correct. And, and, and I, yeah. So, so there were definitely times when everything was going so well, but it has so much to do with the people, right? The individual, and so right. A bad, a bad management can still end up with good people under them, but they won't stay. And then that's what messes things up. And so, you need, obviously, you need good management to attract good people, and then you need to take care of those good people so that they take care of the people that they're taking care of. And, and I, I know it sounds, <laughs> it's, it sounds obvious, right? Good management, taking care of good people is going to lead to them being the better caregivers. Correct. And, and I've seen it, that it, it can be done. There's facilities, this new one that my mom is in, we believe is significantly better and significantly treating their staff differently because their staff's longevity is significantly higher, which also leads to them having significantly different attitudes. And, and right. so it's, it's heartbreaking to me. The, the most heartbreaking thing was we sat there all day with the staff members from the new facilities. We did all the paperwork and we were you know, getting everything taken care of for mom to be able to move and leave. Um, and there's four other residents in that home and their families don't know, or their families aren't taking action to do something about it. And those four people were left behind in this chaos in, 
in living in a, a unsafe, unhealthy um, situation that that the state's been told, but I don't even know if the state has enough staff members to to check on it and take care of it and find out about it, right? Yeah, I think that's part of uh, that is part of the issue: the sta uh, state funding, state staff availability. But um, you know, a lot of people that I know in nursing homes, some of them don't even have family or they've lost their family uh, and they really are kind of left there on their own. Well, and that's and where the state, especially correct. these people are being paid for by Medicaid and, and that's the state funding they, that the state needs to be more aware of. I, I agree because these are people that have, I mean, you and I have this same point of view about this, so do many people. These are people that contributed to our society. They worked, they put their time in, they put their money in. There's, they're entitled to have decent, a decent life moving forward for whatever the remaining time of that life is. They are still, they are still living, they still have life. This is not, this is not you know, something that should, something should be discarded. It's not a bag of flour. You know, it always amazes me that some people, I'm, I'm not, this is just a general statement. Um, I don't want to say have more regard for, but are willing to take such severe action over a few cells in a woman's body. But these are people that are living and we're not really taking that level of action to ensure that they have a quality of life and a purposeful life and a dignified life, and they're still alive. All the biggest travesties in human history are based on the idea that one group of human beings is more valuable than another. Correct. And, and we've made that decision about people that are in prison or in jail, that they are less valuable than others. And I think if a lot of our society is making that decision about some of our elderly and people that are in nursing homes, that are also considered less valuable now because they're no longer contributing elements in, in our society. And, and of course, we've been doing it for centuries based on religion and race and creed and, and, and beliefs. And, and the, minute, the minute you decide that one human being is more valuable than another, you set yourself up for all of the evils in this world. And so all of us have the innate value that we were created with and born with and until our government decides to value everybody equally and take care of everybody equally, now that doesn't mean that, that our government's job is to support everybody and take care of everybody because it's not. And, and don't, don't hear me saying that. Right. But the government has the right to regulate and control and, and help make these facilities better through that regulation. I, I agree. And, and, and and I, I, you know, because so many of these buildings are for profit, I didn't say they should be or shouldn't be. That's another dis that's a whole other podcast, right? Whether whether this business of healthcare, and it's not really healthcare, medical care, long-term care should be a business. That's a whole separate conversation. But if it is a, a for-profit business, it seems to me, since you've chosen to go into the taking care of people business, that that should be the motivating force, the driving force is taking care of people, not taking care of the bottom line, because that often supersedes the taking care of people. And interesting what you said about, and, and what we brought up about people not being useful anymore. However, 
the caregiving economy, the, the, the um, I'm sorry, the longevity economy is worth uh, now, I think, $8.7 trillion. So it's not really that these people are not productive working members of society, but the, the economy that has been created to take care of them is worth a tremendous amount to this country. So without them, we wouldn't be generating that kind of economy, which is the third largest economy in the world. Mm. So people don't give that much thought. Well, and, and the, the challenge is we need to value everybody the same and do all we can to help make sure that they have the, the, the most honorable and respectful end of life yeah, opportunity. And, I agree. And obviously, you, you, your, your, your heart is in that place. My heart is in that place, and 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 I would say always had been, but now you know, even with with my personal experience, in it, it, it's heartbreaking, and and for me, it's yeah. There has to be a way that we can do it differently. That we can care for people, care for it's. It's no different than I teach entrepreneurs and teach other people that, that you can build a company that takes care of your clients, takes care of your stockholders, and takes care of your employees. Correct. And, and, and our world is seeing that now with this great resignation and, and, and people you know, unionizing and doing these other things. They're, they're recognizing that the stockholders and the CEOs are no longer king that we have to be able to take care of our clients. We have to be able to take care of our customers and we can create situations where everybody wins. Everybody benefits equally fairly and, 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 and there can be good spread throughout the organization. I agree with you hundred percent. Gee, Robert, thanks for sharing your, your mom's story. I know it's not easy and um, thank goodness she's in a place where she's safe and getting good care. And I only hope that, the listeners can be inspired by that story and also pay more attention because I think people, there are many people that think that they move their loved one into some kind of nursing home, assisted living, whatever it is, and think that that's where their, their involvement um, ends mm. or they, they're assuming that their loved one will be receiving care. But I, I actually, I actually, um, believe that that requires more advocacy at that point in time you have to be more hands-on and if you live a distance away that could be phone calls as you say that could be video chats i mean um facetimes but you almost have to be more vigilant because all kinds of things happen and um unfortunately the squeaky wheel gets the oil so if you're more present more vocal more active more involved more questioning in all likelihood, that will have a better result for your loved one. Mm, absolutely. So thanks for taking the time again. And, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again again soon, right? Of course we will. Thank you, Phyllis. So please join me on the next episode of Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amin signing off for today. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.